RadioInfluence.com. This is the MMA Report with Jason Floyd on Radio Influence. Welcome in to a new episode of the MMA Report podcast. It is Sunday, June the 26th, and this is the interview edition of the show, as I have got three fighter interviews for you here on this episode. You're going to hear from two men that are going to be fighting at UFC Long Island on July the 16th. That'll be a fellow Tampa resident. Of course, I live here uh, in Tampa for Billy Quarantillo. Let's talk to him about his matchup. As he is going to be taking on Bill Algeo. That should be a fun matchup there uh, on part of the preliminary card. Also, you're going to hear from Dustin Jacoby, who's going to look to extend his unbeaten streak, a part of that fight card. So you have those two interviews. Plus, you're going to hear from Alton Fighter alum, Dustin Lampros, who's going to be in the main event of Shamrock FC 339 coming up here on July 9th as he is moving up to the featherweight division to fight for the vacant Shamrock FC 145-pound title. Spoke to him about uh, why he decided to step up in, in weight for this one, whether or not uh, you know maybe he is going to be staying at 45 or whether or not he will be returning to the 135-pound division. So those interviews come up here on this edition of the MMA Report podcast. As always, appreciate you taking time out of your day to download and listen to this episode of the podcast before i get into the interviews do want to talk about what's happened over the past couple of nights in mixed martial arts of course on friday we had bellator and pfl of course over on the bellator side of the equation johnny eblin goes out there and shuts out gegar musasi to win the bellator middleweight title as uh, he did something that uh, his coach king Molawal did all those years ago in strike force utilizing the wrestling to beat Gegard Musasi, man, what a performance there by Johnny Eblin. Also on that card, Danny Sabatello and Magomed Magomedov both advance on in the Bantamweight World Grand Prix. Danny Sabatello will now take on Rafian Stasi, interim champion. We saw their interaction in the cage uh, after that one. I'm sure the trash talk is going to be fun leading up to that one. Of course, uh, Magomedov, he now will take on Patchy Mix in the semifinals of that tournament. Also, uh, Brent Ward goes out there and gets a victory in round two. And I mentioned before his fight, and I don't know whether this fight will ever happen, but I just thought if, like, if you're looking to have a little fun matchup uh, with uh, two fighters that fought on this Bellator card, give me Brian Ward, Sabah Hamasi. I think that should be an absolute amazing fight. Uh, we'd love to see that one. Of course, so when you talk about the preliminary card, uh, you got to mention the fact of Cody Law, the highly touted prospect. I mean, hey, I think this guy is tremendous. He got defeated by Unam's decision 29-27, 29-28. And 30 to 26, nearly getting submitted there in the third round. Kudos to James Gonzalez. Uh, I want to say he was a plus 550, plus 600 betting underdog in that one. Uh, also got a note part of the preliminary card. The fact of Brent Primus got KO'd by Alexander Shalby there in the second round. Alexander Shalby, man, that was a brutal knockout. 
that he had there. Also, uh, Tokov gets to win the preliminary card. Zangano uh, winning on the preliminary card as well. So you look at, at Tokov, got to imagine he's got to be there right in line for the next shot there at the middleweight title. Of course, now uh, we'll see. Maybe maybe they, do they go in a immediate rematch and give Gegard the immediate rematch there. Also on Friday, you had the PFL event, which we had some upsets. Capozalo uh, gets defeated, uh, you know, in the main event. Also, Anthony Pettis, he gets submitted uh, by Stevie Ray. Those two now are going to meet uh, in the playoffs. Of course, the playoffs are there set there. Um, Chris Wade, man, beautiful knockout that he had in the first round there against Kyle Bokniak. Uh, you know, one of the things as I was watching, you know, Friday, I'm, I'm sitting here in my home, home studio. I've got the Bellator fights on one TV. I've got the hockey game on another another screen, and and I've got uh, on, on another computer screen. I, I've got the BFL fights, and you know I'm watching that Lance Palmer Shaman Marais fight, and Lance Palmer went out there, and and when Lance Palmer is successful, that's what he does. And, and I'm just sitting there, and because of of that style, it really makes me wonder. He obviously, uh, you know he's not getting into the, to the playoffs there in, in the PFL. And it makes me wonder just like, if I am the PFL, like what, what do I do with Lance Palmer? Like, do you really want, do you want to stay in that Lance Palmer business? Of course, uh, Chris Wade, uh, Kudo went out there, got the knockout he, and Bubba Jenkins, Brennan Laughlin. They are the four fighters that are going to be in that featherweight tournament. Uh, of course, looking over at the heavyweight side of the equation, uh, you know, Bruno, even though he did lose, got those six points in his first fight. He is the number four seed him for Hedeleja and Golsov all into there. And of course, mentioning about the lightweights, Anthony Pest, Stevie Ray, they're now going to meet in the opening round. Olivia Abed, Mercier, Alex Martinez will be the other one one in there uh as well but uh you know i you know it was one of those things it was for friday night for me it was it was a lot of kind of you know flipping my my eyes between the various screens depending on what i was watching and then of course on uh saturday night last night we had the ufc vegas car um tyus ganrock goes out there close fight gets a decision win against armin saruki and of course uh you know obviously we knew we're kind of both those guys there late in there uh shockmoff rockmanoff going out there and submitting neil magny Man, this is a guy to pay attention to there in in the welterweight division. Also, you got to talk about uh, Umar Nurmagomedov getting the decision win there. Chris Curtis, all those uh, takedowns that he stopped there uh, as well. Uh, Cody Durden, man, he looked good on the preliminary card. Of course, he spent most of most of his camp down there uh, in Coconut Creek. Uh, Mario Batista, man, submitting Brian Kelher. He looked absolutely amazing there. Of course, uh, myself and Daniel Galvan, we'll talk more about it on Wednesday's episode of the podcast. We'll be looking forward to that. But let's get into the interview portion of the show. And up first, you're going to hear my conversation with Billy Quarantilla, who's going to be taking on Bill Alge at UFC Long Island on July the 16th. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man that's going to be back inside the UFC Octagon. Heads back up to his hometown there, hometown area in Long Island. Billy, man, as always, uh, appreciate time. You know, I, I was thinking about you and because and obviously you're one of the most active UFC fighters on, on social media. And, and obviously there's been so much of a talk about judging in the sport of, you know, kind of, you know, what can be done to make it better from your perspective as a fighter? Like you had a chance to sit down with any judge five, 10 minutes, you know, a, a Sal Diamato, Chris Lee, Derek Clary, name the judges. We, we all know the names as a fighter. What would you ask him? Man? Uh, it's, 
it, I think every judge has, you know, different stuff that they're looking for. There's that argument that they all have different angles. There wouldn't be much that, that I really look for. Honestly, like I know people talk about it a lot and, and uh, especially, you know, big personalities talk about the judging. I always just, you know, go in there and, and try to win the fight, you know, do what I do to, to win the fight, use my game plan uh, to go out there and, and, win moments of the fight, win the overall perspective of the fight. Um, like most fighters, I look for the finish as much as possible. Sometimes doing that costs you a position or, or, you know, looks bad on the, on the scorecard. Um, but I don't really, I think, uh, I think judges should be able to, I, I feel like I could reach out to one of the judges and, and find out. Um, but I already know like what my game is, uh, and how I approach fighting. And it really doesn't have anything to do with the judges. No judges need is what you're saying. Exactly. No judges need. I'm looking for finishes. Uh, you know, finishes. Uh, it, it's hard to get bonuses if you're not finishing people. So I'm a, I'm, I'm a bag chaser. I'm trying to get that money. So uh, I'm, I'm looking for finishes. Uh, you know, if if, uh, if it goes to a decision, hopefully I did enough to to get the get the nod. But it is what it is. I've watched boxing and MMA forever, so I understand it's a. Uh, it's a judgment call. So uh, I, I go out there and try to put on a performance and uh, hopefully get my <laughs> watch out for my cat. Hopefully get my hand raised. Do you remember the first MMA fight you watched? The first MMA fight. I do remember the first live fight I, I was, I, I went to, cause it was actually my first, uh, my first amateur fight. Um, I don't remember the first one I watched on TV. There was a bunch back in the day that I watched and, you know, when I was like a, a like a kid. Um, but I do remember the first fight I watched live remembering it. It was, I fought uh, my amateur debut. I was only training for a, a couple months and I fought this kid who was four and oh, his name was Josh Lang. He ended up beating me by split decision, which I still to this day think I won. Uh, but anyway, split decision. One of the judges had me winning all three rounds. The main event of that, it was in Seneca Niagara Casino. It was at uh, uh, Salamanca uh, on the Indian Reservation in New York where I grew up. And it was a Corey Hill versus Kit Cope in the main event. Um, and I remember it like it was like it was yesterday. They come out, they're, they're moving around. Uh, the crowd starts booing because they don't they're not crushing each other in the first 20 seconds. And then out of nowhere, Kit Cope punches Corey Hill with one of the hardest punches I've ever seen, just cracked him. I just heard, I was like, Oh my God, like, Holy shit. Drops him, goes to finish him, gets on top of him, starts ground pounding him. Corey Hill with his gangly legs, throws up a triangle choke, sinks it in, brings it, brings Kate Cope down and finishes, uh, basically finishes him, finishes him by triangle choke. It was like 30 seconds of action. And it was like the craziest <laughs> fight I've seen because of, I was like, Oh my God, like, he just got hit so hard. Like I can't, couldn't believe he wasn't dead. And then uh, to go in there and finish the move off his back, it was crazy. I was like, Oh my God, I, I absolutely loved it. I, I already kind of knew about MMA. I, you know, I, I already took a fight at that point um, and watched it quite a bit, but watching it live. I mean, there's nothing like a live MMA fight. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think we can all kind of recount these regional shows you go to and, and some of the crazy things uh, that happened with that. I did see, on your uh, Instagram, you got into cryotherapy. So was this something that one of your coaches had kind of uh, said, hey, I think we should go this route to recover? Uh, no, no, that was just on me. That was uh, uh, something that I wanted to do. I'm doing uh, 30 days of like basically cold plunge or ice bath, 
every single day. A lot of that's because, you know, my body's banged up and I want to just get that, that mindset. Like if you can do something that sucks every single day, uh, fighting's easy. You know what I mean? I hate cold. Uh, I hate being in the cold. I, I, I've kind of avoided it. You know, it's one reason I live here in Tampa. Um, so I just, you know, making myself do it today was day 12. Uh, and I've been doing ice every day. I've done cold, you know, cold plunges, ice baths. Um, and one of my buddies, Mark owns the cryotherapy right here in South Tampa, uh, lit labs. And, uh, so I wanted, I, I've done it before, but I haven't done it probably in a, at least a year or two, uh, went in there, banged it out, did a few minutes, body felt refreshed after, and I feel great uh, throughout this whole training camp. And it's something that I'm really glad I've, I've picked up and now I'm going to hold myself accountable. I keep putting on Instagram. So everyone else is holding me accountable too. Uh, so I got what, 18 more days left. So I'm looking forward to, uh, every morning I wake up and I think about it. I'm like, Oh, this is going to suck today, but I, I make myself do it. Yeah. Anyone's ever done a cold bath. It's just, there's nothing fun about that. And that's, I think that's the the reason why I'm enjoying doing it because every time I post it, people are like, oh man, are you getting benefits? Oh man, I could never do it. Or, oh man, I'm so scared to do it. Or I don't want to do it. And that's, that's what I was looking for. I want to do something that I personally don't like to do. I don't like, I, like I said, I've, I've avoided the cold like most people. Um, and now my brain knows, all right, I can get in there in about 90 seconds. My body goes numb anyway. Uh, the cryotherapy was a little bit different, but with the ice bath, you know, about a minute and a half in my body goes numb anyway, just getting to that point, controlling your breathing. And, uh, it's something that I've, I really, uh, enjoyed this training camp so far. And I think anyone who knows you, they know how you split your time up between New York and, and Tampa and with, with your training and kind of maybe think about because the week of your fight, the CFFC's got a show here in Tampa. And I was kind of thinking about, obviously, you've got to have a, you know several teammates on that car. So how is that going to work with your coaches that, that live here in Tampa? Yeah, it sucks that uh, they take that day because I love the CFFC fights. Um, I do have three teammates. Uh, I have Will Renz, uh, Danny Matos, and Hugh Pulley all fighting, <laughs> um, all fighting in the CFFC. Um, so basically what's going to happen is I'll be out in long Island fight week. I'm going to go out there, hang out with Favola, do our fight week, you know, prep that we always do. And then, uh, my main coaches, Matt Arroyo and Dan Rawlings, they're going to coach the guys. And then they're just going to fly to me Friday morning. Uh, we've, we've had about 20 fights together. So we know the deal. We know what we all have to do. We know our jobs. And, uh, so hopefully it won't, the only, the only bad thing is I'm not going to be able to watch them fight or, you know, I'll, I'll be able to watch it on like my phone or whatever, uh, but I'll be cutting weight. So I'll be cutting weight, watching them. It'll be very motivating for me. Uh, you know, obviously when looking at this matchup against Bill Algeo, I mean, right when the fight was announced, my, my kind of, my first thought was like, this has got fight of the night recipe because of your style, his style. Bill, Bill is not a guy that's going to sit back and wait. He, he's going to come at you. I mean, as like, was that one of the things when this fight got offered to you? Was that kind of a, a thought you had of like, man, I, I've got a good dancing partner? Yeah. Yeah. That was exactly what I thought. And uh, I was like, good. I like this fight. Uh, he's good. And I'm good. You know, obviously we're both really two tough fighters from, uh, the North Northeast area, uh, you know, Pennsylvania, Western New York, New York, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, that's exactly what I thought. I'm like, good. I didn't want some boring wrestler or, uh, someone who doesn't bring the fight to you. Uh, and no matter what happens, I'm going to bring it to him or he's going to bring it to me. Um, and you know, he doesn't have any finishes yet in the UFC or, and he's not, and he hasn't been finished either. Uh, but before the UFC, he was, finishing a lot of people. Um, so he's been in some really exciting fights. 
And uh, I, I completely agree. I think this is going to be fighting the night. Uh, that's what I'm coming for. We, we were on the main card, and they pushed us to the prelims. Uh, it's all good. They know what I'm going to bring. Uh, you know, the pay is the same for me. Uh, more eyes would be better, but I'm going to do do what I can, talk to the people I got to talk to, and uh, put on the show that the, that the UFC is looking for. You know, as East Coast residents, I love afternoon MMA. Absolutely love afternoon MMA. So, I mean, look, I get jealous of people that live on the West Coast. that They, they get this afternoon MMA all the time, and this is an, an early start. Like, do yeah. you, for you, do you like the fact that it's you're, you're fighting really early in the day? I mean, you're probably fighting, what, one, two, three o'clock in the afternoon? Yeah, I think I'm going to be fighting at, like, noon, which uh, I don't really mind. I do like fighting later at night, um, but we all got to deal with it. You know, we, we got to fight earlier. I do, I like watching fights earlier in the day, uh, but... For the majority of my career, I train during the day, or if it's a fight day, I obviously I rest during the day and then I fight at night. So my schedule is on that nighttime type fight. Um, but I think it, it, there's a lot of good opportunities because we go out and fight and then we have the rest of the day in Long Island. You know, we can do like an after party. We can do an after dinner with like my my family who I don't I don't get to see enough. Um, so there's a lot of, a lot of pros with it. There's a few cons, like a couple of my brothers will probably be really drunk by the time, uh, by the time I get out of there at 3 PM, but you know, that's, that's what they do at the fights. So, uh, there's a lot of pros and a, and a couple of cons, but either way, I'm, I'm really excited about being in long Island and, uh, being on, being on the East coast. Like thinking about the, the pay-per-view a couple weeks ago in Singapore, the fights were starting like six 30 local time. You know, like, like, let's just say you're fighting at noon. Do you get, would you get up at like 6 a.m. or even earlier just to kind of, you know, get the, the flow going? Uh, probably not. <laughs> not that bad early, but uh, I'll probably get up at, you know, probably 8 a.m., 7 a.m., 7 or 8, just wake up, you know, eat a good breakfast, do a light shakeout, and then chill for at least an hour or two before I head over there. Um, I, I do think it'll come at me a little bit faster. Like the ultimate, I remember the ultimate fighter was like that. It was like really early in the morning. Uh, some of the Vegas fights have been a little bit earlier just because of the time change. So I'm used to it. And uh, I remember when Frivola fought in Abu Dhabi, it was at like six in the morning. So going through like that whole process, uh, I am starting to do that kind of ending training earlier and waking up earlier, which I'm fine with doing anyway. Obviously with this fight in front of fans, I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be the 30 foot cage. Do you have a preference on a 30 or, or a 25 footer? Uh, no, it's, I, I kind of look at it the same way. I look at the time. There's each of them have their pros and cons. Uh, I think there's a little bit more action on the smaller cage, but the bigger cage gives you a, a lot more. There's a lot more footwork to it, a lot more distance control, a lot more things you could do uh, offensively and defensively. So I don't really have a preference. I'm, I'm excited to be with fans. I think I prefer being with fans, so I prefer the bigger cage. You mentioned about distance control kind of made me think, is that ultimately one of the big keys to victory here? Um, I mean, it has a lot to do with it. There's a, you know, we, we have a whole game plan, you know, what we're doing in these situations and, and all that. Uh, at the end of the day, I just got to go out there and be my best. If I go out there and fight like I'm capable of fighting, I think I can beat almost everyone in the division, um, especially if you give me enough time to prepare for them. So it's, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of stuff on the feet. It's a lot of stuff, you know, wherever the fight may go. Um, but like I said, if I go there and perform like I'm capable of performing, it's going to be a great night for me. I mean, is that bad taste still in your mouth from November? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'll, the, the taste of uh, just 
knowing that I could have, if I just did a little bit more in that third round, uh, you know, a couple, couple things go my way, uh, then, you know, I'm top 15 in the world, may make a lot more money when you win, you know, maybe a bigger contract, that type of stuff. But it's motivating for this fight. You know, if I think I'm, if I think I'm that good, I should be able to go there and beat Bill LGO. So that's what I'm, I'm motivated. Uh, I do have a bad taste in my mouth, but still probably one of my favorite fights being at Madison square garden and, with all the stars, you know, it was a huge event, huge, huge night for the UFC, uh, to be on the main card. Uh, I'll always cherish it, but yeah, never, never, uh, never a good taste after losing. Like, is that one of those things of that you, do you constantly think about it? Like you sit there, like you're just talking about, you know, Hey, there's things in the third round. I feel like if I would have done this as opposed to that, you know, the result would have been different. I mean, or is it, or is it become a point where you just say, man, that stuff's done, man. I, I just got to move on. Yeah. Well, well, when people talk about it, you know, it's cool that people come up to me and they're excited. Or like they'll message me like, Oh, it was such a good fight. Um, that's cool. But yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't like, you know, try to go back and change anything. Obviously I can't do that. Um, so just like every other fight, you know, I, I the, the losses, I try not to take it out too much on myself and the wins. I try not to get, you know, too pumped up about because I, you know, you're only as good as your last fight. So, uh, I'm looking forward to this fight. I'm not even looking past it. Uh, it's Bill Elgio. We'll, we'll, you know, cross that the next bridge when we get there. Um, but I'm just putting everything I can into those 15 minutes I got coming up. Your division title fights coming up here, uh, July the 2nd, Volkanovski and Holloway trilogy matchup. Both fights have been super close, uh, from your vantage point. I mean, are you kind of expecting the same type of super close fight? Yeah. You know, I said this on uh, another interview I did with James Lynch the other day, um, that I'm hoping for a, you know, a, a statement when either way, I'm hoping either Max Holloway finishes Volk or Volk, you know, a big knockout, a big submission, uh, or, or a very dominant fight, because I feel like we're not gonna, we're not gonna learn much if it's another really close fight. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping for a statement when I'm a big Max Holloway guy. So I'm rooting for Max Holloway. I've just been a fan of his a lot longer than Volkanovski. Um, obviously I watch both of them as potential opponents and guys that I need to get to their level so I can be in these conversations. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking for a statement when, you know, between either guys, but I'm, I'm rooting for Max Holloway at the end of the day. Of course, uh, that'll be the pay-per-view there in Las Vegas. Billy, man, as always, uh, appreciate time. Of course, uh, let me know they can follow you on social media. Anything else we'll mention, man? Uh, not too much, man. I appreciate the, uh, the chats like always, and uh, I'll see you guys in a couple weeks in Long Island. Can't wait. Great stuff there from Billy Q. As always, appreciate him taking some time out of his day. A fellow Tampa resident, of course, uh, splitting his time. Uh, preparations for this one between up in Long Island, uh, training there with the Sarah uh, Longo team and training down here in Tampa, finishing up his camp. And, of course, if you follow him there on IG, you can kind of see this 30-day challenge that he is doing. And, uh, you know, obviously, I mean, I, I think when I look at that matchup between Billy and LGO, man, that that should be absolute fireworks. I mean, the, the way both those guys fight, I mean, that that to me has got to be, uh, you know, a, a a potential leader for to walk away with that fight of the night bonus. Let's move on to the next interview. It's also with a man that's going to be a part of UFC Long Island. That is Dustin Jacoby, who has just been on an amazing run over the past couple of years, unbeaten in his last 
11 fights as uh, he is now going to be a part of his card looking to extend that winning streak as uh, he is going to be taking on uh, taking on Jung in, in this matchup so I had a chance to catch up with Dustin Jacoby to talk about his matchup come up here on July the 16th Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man we're going to see back inside the UFC Octagon, UFC Long Island on July the 16th. Dustin, uh, appreciate the time. It's always great to have you here on the show. Uh, first off, man, fight in the afternoon. Do you like that? Yeah, man. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. And, and the afternoon doesn't bother me you know, with it being Eastern time. I, I'm usually training about that time anyway. So uh, that's when the body's feeling good. And, and uh, hey, man, what, what can I do if uh, there's nothing I can do about it anyway? So just have to roll with the punches. One of your recent Instagram posts was about uh, it was a weigh in picture with you and, and Simon Marcus and where you wrote, thank you for pushing me and making a stronger warrior. Of course, you two guys went to battle twice there in glory. Uh, how, how did he make you a, a better fighter? Man, there's guys that you, uh, certain guys you lock horns with and you can just feel uh, their aggression. You can feel what type of uh, fighter they are. And Simon Marcus is a guy I'll never forget the first time we locked up, man. It was like a bull. I, I knew I was in for it. I knew it was going to be one hell of a fight. And and it also told me right at that moment, that's why he's champion. You know, he's champion because he brings that tenacity. He brings that that fighting spirit. And, and there's just no back down, no quit whatsoever. And, and when you lock horns with guys like that man it makes you want to be a better fighter it makes you want to do well for them it makes uh and it just strengthens you you know I, like i said I'm, I'm the one that's been through it to get to it i say that often but you know that's what i mean when i say that is you know i've been in there i've, I've stood toe-to-toe with these guys and and i came out and, and and faced my fears and came out a better fighter because of it do you ever go back and watch those fights? Like, cause like I, I so when I saw that post, I went back and, and I watched your second fight and I, my first thought was like, and I think we all have these things, especially like on Facebook, those memories come up and you go, damn, I looked really young back then. Do you ever kind of have that thought when you look some of your older fights? Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I don't watch too many of my older fights often, but you said it best. It's one thing I love about Facebook is the memories that pop up and, and, uh, I see those. I'm like, man, yeah, it's crazy, man. I've been uh, all over the world with this career and, and I've met a lot of great people and, and, uh, I've been, I've really have been blessed, man. I've had a lot of great opportunities and here I am uh, with another one July 16th. There was a, another Instagram post you, you wrote where you said, you are never as good as they say you are, and you're never as bad as they say you are. That's why you'll never see a statue of a critic. Every day should be a competition with the man in the mirror. I like that, I like that end of it, a competition with the man in the mirror. I mean, is, is that, is, has that been a mindset that you've had for a long time? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there, I have talks to myself in the mirror all the time behind closed doors to say things that people have no, will never know, you know, and, and I, I look myself in the eye and I test myself, I challenge myself and I try to hold myself accountable. And, you know, at the end of the day, when I go to the gym, it's, it's not uh, to get wins against anybody it's to, you know, to strengthen my own skills, to, to, to face my fears. And uh, at the end of the day, the, the only guy I have to answer to is myself. And, and, um, you know, I just 1% better every day, man. And, and that's what I try to do. And, and that's what, what's got me here. Of course, you've been on a great role the, these past couple of years with here in the UFC and kickboxing and boxing. And, uh, it, it did make me think about because you have, have had some fights go the distance. And, and I was asking some other fighters this recently is if you had like five to 10 minutes to sit down with 
we we know the cast of characters that, that judge UFC fights. We we all know the names. Like if you had five to ten minutes just to to talk to them, would be there be something in particular you'd ask them? You know, I, I that's a great question. Like I guess what what are you looking for? What what's what's scoring points? What what uh, what are you looking for in a fight to see who's winning? Because, um, yeah, man, there's been a lot of questionable decisions lately, and and uh, it, it makes you wonder, like, am I up? Am I down? I think what would solve that is having the in-round scoring and letting a fighter know uh, if they're up or down after each round, whether whether the judges got it wrong or not. Now you know, okay, they say you're down or or you're up, you know. Um, and I can see the flip side of that guys maybe playing it safe if they're up 2-0, but um, I think that's the only thing that's going to change, man, because the judges are just all over the board. This is my general thought on that. And I think from a fire's aspect, I think there's obviously a ton of pauses with that. I don't know if the major promoters in combat sports would want that. If they're on television, take away from the drama aspect of it. Okay. The whole reason, I, and this is just me being in long time, being in radio for such a well, long time. Well, or, or, or does it though? Or does it be like, I get what you're saying when you first said it, but now I'm like, okay. You got a guy down 2-0. There's still drama because you're like, come on, is this guy going to go all out? See, I'm more thinking about it from the reading of the scorecards because most likely what's going to happen before the reading of the scorecard, there's probably either it's a commercial or – you know, the play-by-play announcer is reading a sponsor read. That's why I that that's been my thought about it. I mean, look, I think from a fighter's aspect, I that's think it true. would be a great thing. I just I don't know if it really happens. Yeah, I get I get that, man. I see the uh, this both sides to that one, and I yeah. do get what you're saying. Yeah, if they they're like they're tuned out. They already know what the outcome is. You're not you're not waiting for the decision. You're not waiting for the buildup. Uh, you know, they already said who won, you know, after the fight got done. So, uh, but it, it, of course, but you got this matchup here uh, against Shung. And, you know, one of the things I was thinking about with him is there's one fight that's an outlier in the UFC for him. And that's the fight against William Knight where he landed eight takedowns, but he has no other takedowns in any other UFC fight. So, like, how do you how do you evaluate that him as a fighter or is or do you kind of look at that as an anomaly? Well, you know, I just look at it as I think he's a boxer first and foremost. I think he goes in there and he likes to throw heat and uh, he, he's a stand-up fighter, but he's, he's heavy boxing. And I think he's a guy that will do what you try to do. If I try to take him down, I think he'll try to take me down. If I try to, you know, if I throw some leg kicks at him, I think he's going to come back with leg kicks at me. If I stand there and box with him, he's definitely going to box with me. Um, I think he's a durable fighter. I, I think he's, uh, I think he's good, man. I thought you were going to bring up the Alvy fight when he went to the draw. And um, I was going to say, you know, Alvy's one of those guys that I look at him. I think I beat him 10 out of 10 times, but I've been in this game long enough to know uh, Al, Alvy's a vet. Alvy's very durable and, and he's awkward enough that he's good. And, and I think that's an extremely difficult fight for anybody that faces him, even with the losing streak that he's been on. So I can't take too much away from that one. Um, and I don't see him coming in and shooting a bunch of takedowns. I think that, uh, he's going to want to stand with me. He's going to bring some heat. And, and, uh, I think, like I said, I think if I, you know, try ducking in and shooting on him, I think, you know, if he defends it, he's going to try doing it to me. So I think he, he does what I do and I'm going to have to go out there and dictate the fight and, and use my distance and, and, uh, start fast and finish strong. 
once again, fighting in front of fans. We talked about this the last time we talked about, but also I think the other side of this bigger cage. Um, is that always a preference for you to be in that 30 footer as opposed to a 25 footer? You know, I like the smaller cage, to be honest with you. I love the apex. I love being right there, being right on top of each other. And in the bigger cage, there's just a lot more, a lot more room to move around. And I, I'm one of the few guys that likes the small cage, man. I think the action's better. I think, uh, it, it's harder to take me down in a smaller cage, uh, in a bigger cage. I think you got a little bit more room where I'm not, I don't got a wall to, to use to my benefit. Um, but you know, that's not things that I look at going into this fight. I, I just focus on the opponent. I, I don't focus on the things that I can't control. The cage is what it is. Um, the time of day, it is what it is. I just know I have a job to do and I got to go in there and make sure I get it done. You mentioned about the focus and you know, it, it seems like every fighter has a different mentality on this one of how much of your focus of training is on you as opposed to how much of the focus is on the abilities that your opponent brings. How do you kind of weather into that? So from my experience, I've learned that I need to focus on myself and what I bring to the table in the past. I've gotten really good about this over the years, but earlier on in my career, and even halfway through my career, I'd go to fight a guy and I would put so much focus and time and energy in him and what he does and what he's good at that. I would create this monster that, just was a very difficult guy to beat. Whereas, and then, and then I go into the fight and, and, and so I'd watch these guys on film and I, then I'd watch our fight and anything that they did to other opponents, they never did to me. And I was so worried about it. And, and that's when I was like, look, man, you, you got to stop focusing on them so much. Of course you want to, you got to watch film and, and you want to know uh, what you're in for. You know, you know, you want to know what the tendencies are, what to look out for. But at the end of the day, I put a lot of focus into myself, my own training, what I do well. And, uh, I, I, I focus, I, I focus on what, what I've been bringing as opposed to what they're going to bring. Um, and what, so what am I trying to say about, I, one of the, things that I say often is when I go into the, the octagon, I'm not worried about said opponent, said opponent needs to be worried about me. Yeah. And, uh, that, that's what I've geared that towards. So as uh, you saw to done the 6am show up at a uh, land to get you drug tested. Uh, so no, they showed up at my, uh, at my place. Yeah. They weren't at Landau. So, um, and it's only been one surprise this camp. So I actually thought, you know, they used to show up on Fridays and I thought for sure this morning they were going to be there, but, uh, no, they came and got me, uh, 5.00 AM one morning, uh, a few weeks back and, and, uh, they did the blood test as well. So the blood test takes even longer because you have to be sitting down for like 15 minutes. You can't be moving. So they just sit there. And uh, you sit there, they start a timer, and then once the 15 minutes is up, they start drawing blood, and then they do the urine, and yeah, it's a little bit of an inconvenience, but again, what can you do? I would be fascinated to interview a solid drug tester. I'd be fascinated with that. Because, like, I would want to know. What they walk into? (laughs) Like, A, what do you walk into? Like, like, I'm thinking about, okay, like, let's let's say it's, it's, it's a dude. Let's say you're a single dude. You're the USADA drug tester in Colorado. Let's say you live in Denver. You go out, you try to meet a lady. Like, how do you describe what your job is? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's a tough one, man. I'm glad that's not what I do. <laughs> like, it, it, like, I sit there and go, how, why did you get into this? Like, is it just something you naturally fell into? Was it like, hey, man, I just need a job and it's a job I got? Like, I've got so many questions. <laughs> 
Dude, that's a great, I've never thought about that. I've never been like, like, how did you get into doing what you do? That's interesting. I'm going to have to ask Aaron next time he comes. Aaron lives in Colorado Springs. He's the guy I see every time. So I'm going to ask him, what made you want to do this job? And I'll do it right when I'm pissing too. (laughs) What made you want to do this job right here? (laughs) That's the thing. Like, you know, like that has got to be the most awkward part of that job. It is, man. Um, yeah, there, again, well, what can you do? It's kind of one of those things you just put your head down and, and let it play out, man. There's nothing <laughs> natural about that. No, no. no. Yeah, it is awkward. Yeah, it's it it, awkward. And there's there's some guys that are, are really cool about it. Um, and then there's some guys that I just can't go because they're, they're like right up. <laughs> they're right there. And it's like, really, dude? Like, this is necessary? I mean... Oh, it it makes it difficult. Yeah, like, bro, I, it's it's like back in the day when I worked in uh, in Top Forty Radio when we do club gigs. I'd always think of the bathroom attendant. Like, what do you say your job is to somebody that's not in the club? Oh, and in the club, you're yeah, you got all <laughs> kinds of stuff going on in there, man. <laughs> and, they, and they've got everything on that counter, whatever you need. You I mean you need some of the smoke they got there, cologne, deodorant, gum. They got it all. But like, I'm like and, they're. And it, and another awkward part about that, the, those bathroom guys, is like they're always wanting your money too. Oh it's yeah, like dude, I don't want any of that. They'll come up and they'll squirt the soap for you. I'm like, well, <laughs> cool, thanks, man. Um, and then they got their hand out, I'm like, dude. And they've already got the towel ready <laughs> for you. It's like, and oh, they, yeah. and then you like, I feel like an a hole if I don't like at least put a buck down. I agree. But I then agree. I am in today's world. How many times do we actually carry cash on us? Yeah, I know, right? Anymore, somebody, at, you know, I'll, I'll be at a golf tournament, or not a tournament, but I'll be just playing golf, and there'll be a stand set up, and a guy comes over, and he's wanting to get money out of you somewhere. I'm like, well, do you take Bitcoin? Because right now, that's all, that's about all I got on me. <laughs> so you're big into Bitcoin? I am, yeah. I've got uh, I've got some Bitcoin, and I'm big into crypto in general. Um, I, I got big into it about... Oh, the end of 2020, beginning of 2021. And, and, uh, yeah, I'm a fanatic now, man. I'm, I'm all over the board with it and, and I follow it daily. Yeah. You know what the thing is, and I saw someone mention this earlier, they were talking to, uh, with the, the, you know, the crypto bonuses that, you know, the fans vote on. And, uh, I guess they were pointing to one of the pay-per-views and they were talking about where crypto was at that point. And to obviously, I think everyone who follows this knows kind of, you know, what's been going on. Yeah. And it was kind of maybe one of those, I, I go, I wonder how many fighters sit there and go, you know what? Nah, man, I'm in this for the long haul. This thing's going to turn around. Or how many of them, when they started to see a tank, said, oh, maybe I should get this out. Oh, uh, yeah, dude, that's interesting, too, because... You know, when I was younger uh, or earlier in my career is when Bitcoin first started really being talked about. It's like 2013, 2014, and guys were actually sponsoring guys in Bitcoin. And I had a buddy that was sponsored in, in with Bitcoin. I'm like, dude, what are you going to do with that? I was like, I mean, you just got to cash that out right now and get the cash while you can. Yeah. And looking back on it, it's like, whoa, man, if you would have kept that in there. Um, so, the, yeah, that's that's really uh, changed the way I thought about it. And, and now certainly, you know, I've had a few sponsors pay me in Ethereum and I'm like, you know, my, myself 10 years ago would take that money and cash it out for cash. Yeah. And I'd go spend it on some dumb stuff. 
And now this guy now, dude, that Ethereum, I, I don't plan on touching that Ethereum for five, 10 more years, you know? So um, it just comes with the maturity level of it all as well, because I know I, I was that guy that, like you said, how many fighters are cashing out and how many fighters are keeping in and looking at the long haul. And I mean, you got to be a little bit older and wiser to keep it in and look at the long haul. You know, my younger self was taking it out and we were going to the bars or doing something. <laughs> we're going to play a good, nice round of golf. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's awesome, Dustin, man. As always, man, I uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, look forward to seeing the matchup here. Of course, uh, let me know they can follow you on social media. Anything else you want to mention, man? Yeah, man. Uh, at the Hanyak DJs, my Instagram. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to some sponsors of mine, El Bandito Yankee. It's a tequila company, uh, a startup. And it's a, a great company. I'm looking forward to working and growing with them. Um, Fit Soda is a beverage company, Coyos Beverage. Um, very good stuff. Another startup that I'm looking forward to working with and continue to grow that that company and, and uh, my brand as well. And um, yeah, man, thank you to all my teammates and uh, coaches at Factory x and land out performance and looking to put on a show july 16th and that was my conversation with dustin jacoby i appreciate him coming on the podcast top us matchup come up here ufc long island and uh you know interesting kind of a couple of things uh you know talk about how he does actually does like prefer to fight in a smaller cage and uh, is expecting that uh, he's going to see a striking matchup from his opponent uh, in this one, of course, uh, you know, kind of funny there to us talking about uh, how I would just love to interview a USADA drug tester because, man, I, so many questions, so many questions about how you decide uh, that uh, you want to get into that business. But let's get into the final interview here on this edition of the MMA Report podcast, and that is with Dustin Lampros, who's going to be stepping up to fight for the featherweight title here, Shamrock FC 339. As I uh, talk to him about this upcoming matchups, here's my conversation with Dustin Lampros. Joining me now here on the MMA Report, a man's going to be fighting for the Shamrock featherweight title coming up here on July 9th. Shamrock FC 339. Dustin, man, as always, uh, appreciate the time. Moving up uh, here to 45. Is this a, is this a one-time move, or are we permanently moving up? No, this is this is just a, a one-time move. Uh, it was just uh, more of the, the timing of the fight getting set up and uh, kind of... Um, yeah, it was just like, you know, they, they called and asked. It was like three weeks out from the card, and I said I would fight, but only at 45 just because, you know, um, I just don't feel like – I feel like in my pro career I've showed and proved I can make weight at 135, you know, six, seven times now. Uh, so, yeah, no, it was just the timing of it, and, uh, yeah, it just worked out that way. You know, uh, obviously we all we all saw you on the Ultimate Fighter, and you know I was I was going through your Instagram, getting ready for this, and uh, you know like I saw that you know, you posted a picture of, of Volkanovski when you know before his last fight. It kind of made me think about what was your biggest takeaway from being around uh, him and, and his his coaching staff and how uh, they look at the fight game. Yeah, I mean, I definitely found out why Volkanovski is the champ, you know, and why he's so dominant his style of uh, training is just, you know, it's just hard, gritty work, you know, and consistent work. So, but, you know, where I train at Sanford, it's the same thing. And uh, just with him, I got to, you know, get the inside scoop on the things that he likes to focus on more specifically. And yeah, it was a really great experience. 
there was another post you had about the the uh, the fight you had on, on the Ultimate Fighter, and the thing that I kind of took away from it, where you, you talked about, it, you said you know I was, I was super excited and overly confident, and you know, I guess. And look, I'm just a guy who you know sits here in front of a microphone and talks about the sport, but I I've always had that mentality of when you walk into the cage, you got to have confidence. You gotta you gotta walk in there and go, I'm the best damn dude on the planet. But it, is there a line to that confidence though? Yeah, well, I mean, I think so, but also, like, for me, uh, you know, going into that show, a lot of people don't realize I had, like, a two-year layoff, basically, because of COVID. Uh, you know, me fighting for Shamrock, they couldn't put on any shows, so I had, I think it was around 18 months in between uh, my last fight and the show. And, yeah, you know, just going into it, I, I just felt super confident. You know, I was going in there 5-0, and uh, all finishes, and... Uh, I just, I believe in, you know, my training, I believe in myself and, you know, I've dedicated my life to this and I'm training with the best fighters every single day on a daily basis. So it's hard for me to see myself losing. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent going into the fight on the ultimate fighter. I, I didn't think there was a chance of me losing. Like that's how I honestly felt just because of how much time, how much, you know, sacrifice I put into the sport and the guys I train with down here at Sanford MMA in South Florida. I felt like I was completely prepared to win the whole thing. And I wholeheartedly believed that, you know, and I thought it was destined. I thought the whole show, the way it happened, you know, that was how I found out about fighting. So I, I thought for sure that this was, you know, going to be my show, my time. And, uh, my confidence in winning that, you know, going into the fight was so high that I didn't really have any respect for whoever I was going to fight, you know, and, uh, my style of fighting. So, so pressure, you know, an aggressive, um, you know, I got checked and pretty much like that's bottom line. You know, I, uh, I was overly confident. I didn't think, uh, when I was fighting Vincent that he, he had anything that could hurt me, you know, and, uh, and more or less it, it wasn't even, it was more or less my, you know, my confidence kind of let my guard down. I was fighting like, you can't do nothing to me. You know, I had my hands down, basically backing them up. Like what's up. And, uh, you know, I think it was a it was a blessing in disguise, to be honest with you. Because uh, to say, if I go on and say I ended up beating him, and uh, I don't know who I would have fought next. I mean, good chance I would have fought Ludwig or something. Um, I think I would have I would have been stylistically a bad matchup for him. So I think in the long run, it could have definitely uh, been a lifesaver for me because now I I I had that understanding that at that high level, you know, with the four ounce gloves. And, you know, with your chin up and your hands down, anybody can, you know, touch you and, you know, hurt you. So uh, I, I think it was a blessing in disguise, to be honest, uh, losing the way I did on the show like that. One of the words you said there was sacrifice. And, you know, I've had other fighters say that, you know, one of the biggest sacrifices you make is the social aspect of our lives. You know, you, you may not be able to go out on a Friday or Saturday night. Cause you know, you're in camp, you're, you're watching the weight, whatnot. What would you say is your biggest sacrifice in the fight game? Yeah. You know what? Uh, I got an even better word than sacrifice investment. You know, uh, I, I would say I shouldn't even say sacrifice. Uh, it's more of the investment of what I put into this fight game. And, but I mean, you go either way, sacrifice or investment, uh, I mean, I, I packed my car and moved across the country, you know, away from my family and my friends and everything I've ever known in a small little town from where I'm from to move to this big place in South Florida where I'm just a tadpole, you know, uh, jumping in there with some of the best 
fighters in the world at 20 years old. You know, I think, um, I think my biggest sacrifice or investment is that, you know, just, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I, I don't have the normal relationship you have with your, your family. You know, I lost that opportunity when I moved away, um, you know, eight years ago. So I've invested a lot. And for me, like, you know, I, you know, I, I take this fight game very seriously and it's something that, uh, has been really stressful on me that I'm, I've been changing a lot lately is that, uh, you know, I made fighting my idol fighting like everything to where like, that's my life. And, uh, it's honestly, you know, it's been hard, uh, the past couple of years mentally. Cause I, I struggle with the fact of having a balance, you know, and I, I don't have a balance at all. It's just been fighting, 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 fighting. Cause I knew that I didn't have a background in this and to catch up. And for me, like, you know, I've, I've made fighting such my idol and my like main uh, thing in my life that uh, I've kind of lost everything else, you know, in the process and it sucks. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, you know, I would love to have money like a normal person to work a job, but you know, to get to where I want to be, you, you can't work a normal job. You know, it's, it's the, that's the sacrifice. You know, I, I can't, go and have a part-time job and be a part-time fighter and be successful. You know, it's just not possible. And, you know, I can't have a normal family. You know, I'm 28 years old now and I haven't had a girlfriend in seven, eight years. I mean, you know, I I've dated, but I have never been able to make anything serious or commitment because, you know, fighting has been my main priority and I never wanted to give myself an excuse. You know, I, I've been down here around a lot of fighters, a lot of people who, who they put a lot of time in and then fall off. And they use the whole, you know, oh, I have a kid, I have a family, I have a, a job. And I made sure that I would never have that as an excuse. So I busted my ass in getting sponsors to help me, you know, uh, cover my training so I can train full time. You know, I've, I've, you know, I've gone, you know, many, many nights, you know, very lonely, like by myself because I knew that that's what it would take, you know. And obviously every fighter has a different path. Everybody has different uh, circumstances. But for me, you know, I was just a, a kid with a dream. And in order to make that a reality, I, I couldn't have different things going on in my life, you know, especially not having an actual background in fighting. You know, if I was a born wrestler or a born boxer and did it my whole life and I had that to rely on when I fight, then, yeah, maybe I could, you know, not uh, put as much time. But this is this is it. This is all I've done. And, you know, it has been really, really hard. And lately I've been... Uh, you know, I've been, I've been turning to, you know, God and just praying and, and, uh, you know, talking with him and finding peace with myself a little bit more realizing that, you know what, it doesn't matter what happens in, in the fight game. Uh, God has a plan for me, mm -hmm. you know, and he's, uh, he's going to be there for me. So I was taking a little bit less, taking some stress off of me because, you know, every day is very, you know, stressful, you know, every, each, each day I'm getting older, you know, and I'm 28 now. And, uh, you know, COVID, you know, was a big, you know, dent in my career, uh, having that layoff, you know, and then I got the show, I got the call for the show and they asked me not to fight, uh, anywhere else until the show airs. And then the show got postponed another six months. So there were so many, you know, there's, all, there's so much to it. Um, so for me, like, yeah, just time, the sacred, you want to know that my time, you know, and, uh, you know, after this fight with Shamrock, uh, I, I don't know what's next for me, uh, but I definitely know that I want to start focusing on some things that are in this world that are important to me, like my family, you know, my, uh, my, my relationship with God. So, uh, yeah, you know, uh, definitely have, uh, 
invested and sacrificed a lot of time into this and it's paid off. You know, I've gotten a lot farther than most people have in the sport and I'm going to, going to continue to grow. But, uh, yeah, that's definitely the, probably the biggest, uh, sacrifice or investment is my time. And hearing what you're saying there made me think of, uh, I was listening to this interview with Gegard Musasi and you know, he is very publicly talked about how he doesn't love fighting, but this is what he does. This is how he, he's like, if I had $6 million sitting in the bank, he goes, you would never see me fight again. And he, he was kind of talking about the, all the things that go into the fight. You know, he's like, he's like, you just don't realize how much you stress about it. Like, and hearing you, you talk so about there, it, it kind of made me think about like, are you able to turn that off? Or is it just something like you're just sitting at home on a, a Friday afternoon and you can't let it go? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if maybe if I get to a point where I'm making real money from this to where I can buy my own house, I can afford to have a family, you know, if, if things would in my life feel a little bit more loose and like lightened up for me. But, you know, as of now, I'm not there yet. So, yeah, it is very stressful. Um, and I put a lot of stress. You know, I got in the sport because I loved it. Like, I loved the idea of it. And it was so much fun. You know, but now I keep getting older and older. And, it, and uh, you know, I it's not that I ever question fighting or my future in fighting. But uh, I definitely, you know, question my my life outside of fighting. You know, and like... Uh, you know, you know, hear Connor say, you got to be obsessed with it. You know, it's got to be everything. It's got to, it's true. But, you know, Connor himself, he also has had a ride or die girlfriend who stuck by his side, paid his bills while he was down, you know, like, so for me, like, I don't know. I just never, you know, it's a very, very, very selfish lifestyle, like the most selfish lifestyle. And, uh, you know, I don't have a cold heart, so I don't want to bring somebody into that, um, knowing what I know, you know, but, um, yeah, no, it, it's uh, it makes it hard, you know. It makes it makes the process a little bit less enjoyable, um, you know. Investing so much time, like, and then where you invest so much time, you don't really have anything outside of fighting. So then, when you don't have a fight coming up, you're kind of just like in limbo, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, but yeah, it definitely gets hard. And uh, I'm right now. I've I've been uh, dealing with it in the best way. Just you know, kind of realizing that I'm. I'm much more than an MMA fighter. I got much more to offer myself too, uh, you know, and uh, I, I, I kind of always been fighting for me, for Scrappy, wanting to be the man, wanting to be this big name. And reality, that's not my calling. You know, that's not what it is. Uh, you know, I think God has a bigger plan for me. And uh, I think fighting is just a platform for me to use, you know. And of course, mentioned about you got this tile fight here against Brandon Ball, and, and I saw your your Facebook post uh, about this where you said your favorite wrestler's favorite wrestler is my coach Greg Jones. July 9th, we find out how good this Iowa boys wrestling really is. Too bad it's not a grappling match. Uh, I you know, and the thing that really stuck out to me about your opponent is the fact of his last fight was the first time he fought in over four years. Um, so do, do you even try to find older footage of him or is it just look at the, the most recent footage you can find? I mean, uh, you know, like I looked at some footage, there isn't much on him. Um, uh, you know, I, uh, I train hard every day with the best guys and the best, you know, I've Darren Caldwell is one of my training partners, NCAA champ. Like, you know, you can't get much better than that. Uh, so I don't really worry about it too much. I mean, I, I looked at his last fight it was a year ago and then it's, fight before that was like you said four years something five years ago before that so i mean it shows that he's not very active but uh you know 
I, I give every fighter that steps in the cage respect, and I'm not looking past them. And I'm coming in there like I'm fighting the number one bantamweight in the world. Uh, but yeah, you know, I say that because uh, anyone who's reached out to me saying, "Oh, he's a good wrestler," or he's a, or he's got wrestling, or he wrestles, or he's a jiu-jitsu guy. In his last fight, like you could tell, like he didn't really strike. He just kind of would shoot and just laid in the guy's guard. So, yeah, obviously in the back of my like my head, I'm like, okay, well, I, I kind of probably already know what this guy's game plan is coming into this fight. So yeah, you know, and it, it's simple. Um, I'm, I I do have one of the best. You know, Greg Jones is one of the best wrestlers ever. If you Google him, it yeah. pretty much it literally says the <laughs> best wrestler ever. You know, and uh, I've been training under him for three years now, and I feel like my wrestling has just been through the roof. And um, you know, on Brandon Ball's uh, uh, side, you know, uh, if that is his game plan, you know, our cage at Shamrock FC. And I say our cage because that's been the show I've always fought at, you know, and it's my home turf it is a smaller cage. So it will kind of benefit him in, in that way if he can get me down. But, um, yeah, you know, I mean, just I, I'm, I, I don't mean it as trash talk. It's just more of like exciting for me to test my skills, you know, for someone who, you know, the whole game plan is that. And if it isn't to do that and he wants to strike, then please, you know, let's let's do it, you know. But uh Either way, wherever the fight goes, I feel comfortable. Um, you know, I, I feel like in all in any of my fights, I've never showed like my ground game, uh, and I'm excited because I'm my. You know, I don't know if I should say this, but to me, I think it's my best part of my fight game. But uh, you know, I also like I like winning fans over. You know, and I like fighting. Like my mentality when I come into a step in a cage and I fight is to throw my feet and uh, throw my feet and hands at you. You know, like that's my mentality. I don't, I don't think I'll let me shoot on you, take you down and, you know, hold you down or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I saw his last fight. It was, um, honestly, I think he won the fight. If you, if you go off of, he ended up losing, but if you go off of control time, uh, he, he, he sat in the guy's guard for three rounds, basically. Um, the guy got up once maybe or something at the end and it was a very, um, you know, like I said, I'm not, I'm not a trash talker, but it, it was a very boring fight. Um, I really hope he makes it more exciting than that. You know, if, when we fight, I hope he comes in and tries mixing it up, doing something. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. Uh, I, you know, I train full time, uh, twice, three times a day, you know, so, uh, I'm, I'm ready wherever this fight goes. Yeah. You know, talk about that control time. It just makes me, uh, think about a conversation I was having the other day where, uh, talking about judging and the fact of you know making sure that fighters, uh, it was coming from a regulator saying, understanding how damage is the number one priority in this sport. That mm-hmm. that is that that is the thing that uh, all judges are supposed to be scoring fights off of. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, and um, I, I mean, shoot, I, I, if you look at my amateur record, it wasn't that great. But if you go back and watch every amateur fight, like anyone that I lost was just somebody trying to hold me, you know what I mean? In three minute rounds, I got much time to work. So, uh, yeah, no damages, everything. And I was actually talking today, uh, with one of, uh, our, our younger fighters who's about to turn pro, um, during jujitsu today, I was like, remember, you know, this is drilling and training, but when we fight, like when you step in the cage, you're trying to hurt the guy. Like you're not out there to point touch, like, and, you know, not to sound nasty or anything, but you're in there to make this guy hurt, like to hurt this guy. That's what we do. You know, so when you're in there, you know, you got to think 
as you're fighting or as you're taking the guy down or whatever you're doing, it's not just about control. It's not just about, you know, position. It's, you know, if you, you land one good punch in that guy's jaw or nose, you don't got to worry about control or anything, you know, or the position, then it opens up for you and it makes it way easier, you know? And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, uh, damages everything in a fight, you know, and I, you see how I fight. I like that. You know, that's my style. Like every position I'm in, even defending takedowns, I'm making you pay for it. You know, I'm peppering you in the face hard, you know, hard little shots. So yeah, damage is a, is a huge thing. And, uh, and in my opinion should be scored way more like high, way higher than just somebody holding someone down or sitting on someone's back or, you know, you gotta, you gotta be working. You gotta inflict damage on the guy or else. I mean, what are we doing? You know? Yeah, literally, this is because it's a document that was given to all the Bellator fighters yesterday at the fire meeting, and there were three things. Number one, impact and damage. Two, dominance. Three, duration. With dom- yeah. with with impact and damage being the number one criteria. And, yeah. you know, and it's, it's kind of like, and, and, and I feel like there's, there's all types of examples that you can talk about that, like the impact and damage, like I, I, last week with, with Calvin Cater and Josh Emmett, I don't know how one judge scored the fourth round for Josh Emmett when Calvin Cater had the most damage in the round, you know? And then, yeah. I mean, obviously a, a teammate down it there, shows. you know, you, you look it at, it, I mean, look at a teammate of yours, Logan Storley, it wasn't the prettiest of things. But, you know, it was he controlled and, and there was dominance. I mean, one guy was sitting on his back yeah. the whole time. I mean, no, I mean not exciting, 100%. but it's part of the no, rule set. You know, and like I know Scott Coker got on Logan a lot about that. Um, but I mean, look at look at Logan's uh, side of it. You know, you're fighting one of the best strikers in MMA, most crafty, most vicious, most everything. So, you know, what is Logan going to do? Going to say, oh, I'm not going to go to my bread and butter just to please everybody else when the world uh, the titles on the line that could change his life you know what is he gonna win the fans over no probably not <laughs> i mean but is, is is he gonna win the belt and can he from here on work on you know inflicting more damage from his his style of control sure so why so what like why not go out there do that get all the criticism and the hate but then maybe keep doing what you're doing and then and then add on top of that add some more damage it's just like my buddy danny Sotelo. You know, I love Danny. He's, he's, a, I don't, he fights for Bellator. He's yeah. fighting tonight. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, oh, he, he 50, 40, or whatever the scorecard was on the contender series, but he's so, he's boring. He's this, he's that. And then you watch his last fight versus Jarnell Lugo, who's a, a complete beast. He goes out there and he, and he puts on, you know, he puts damage on and he starts building. And, you know, each fight can, can start working its way towards that, you know? I mean, everyone's going to have something to say. Everybody's going to criticize, uh, but then, you know, you got to go out there and win the fight. And that's coming from me, the opposite. I'm the opposite <laughs> style guy. Yeah. I get it, though. You got it, like, you, it, it don't matter it, how, you know, crazy you fight or how entertaining. You go out there at the end of the day and you end up losing, you know, and you start and you keep losing or, you know, people are going to start forgetting about you. But you keep winning even if you are boring, but you keep building off of that. You know, I don't know. I just think that uh, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, sometimes people forget Michael Page turned Paul Daly into a wrestler. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And think about that. Like, Paul Daly is one of the most vicious strikers yeah. out there in the, in the world. You know, just ended his career on a vicious knockout. Like, you can't, you can't, uh, yeah. I mean, it, you know, I think Logan did what he had to do, and I think he knows now, you know, like he, he understands that, it's, you know, the, the boss wasn't happy with him, and a lot of people weren't 
weren't too thrilled, but uh, guess what? He has a title wrapped around his waist. He won the fight, and he can move forward and continue to build off his style, and it's only going to get better for him. Yeah, no question. You mentioned about Sabatella. It's, I, 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 I joked with him. I said, if people played a shot game every time he says the F word in an interview, you'd be blackout drunk. Uh, no, Danny, it's funny because Danny, yeah, the, the, <laughs> our approach to, you know, maybe I haven't had the big spotlight yet. And I don't know. I've never, I've never, I've never known really the opponents that I fight. I don't know them enough, you know, and I, I don't, and I, you know, obviously the guys Danny has fought recently, he, you know, Darnell's from down here and they had some history, like trying to match each other, some, whatever, you know, he, so he, he feels like a little something and, but uh, we're complete opposites in that end when it comes to like our approach to interviews and stuff. But I'm, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Danny fan. I mean, that's my boy. We, we live down here um, in the same area and we hang out quite a bit and uh, you know, that's my buddy. So uh, I'm, I'm all for it. And like you said, it's not trash talk. It's fact talk. Uh, I'm telling you, man, the mental warfare. I mean, look at, we're recording this the, the night of, of his fight, which I, yeah. I I've said this. I, I think Danny is a dark horse to win that tournament just because of his pace and his wrestling. And uh, I, when, when I talked to him about two weeks ago, I, I, I walked away from the conversation that I think Danny wants to knock him out. Yeah. I mean, of course he wants to get the knockout. You know, I, I think, uh, I think he could. I think if he wears out Lugo enough, he could he could take him down and he could uh you know, he can maybe get he'll get the TKO finish on the feet. I am not I'm not sure. I don't know. We haven't got to see him strike so much. So uh you know, we'll, we'll get to see it, but um yeah, I definitely think Danny can win this whole thing. I think he definitely could take the win in the tournament uh with his his style of fighting and uh it's exciting to me. I mean, when you can I listen when you can when you can control someone like Logan and Danny do in fights, like that's like even if I'm not, that's the opposite style of my fighting, I still think that's pretty damn impressive. Yeah. Like you know you know it's it's like you go and do that to someone. Someone start like you try doing that. Oh, I know, but people don't want to pay to watch that. Sure. Like you know yeah. If you're talking about like excitement, like sad, then sure. But you know you can't knock them. I mean you can't talk shit on someone who's ragdolling people. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, look, we, we, how many times we've we seen in the sport, it can demoralize somebody to where, and, and I mean, look, and, and the mental warfare, I mean, it, 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 you know, you, you got to be strong-minded when you know someone like a Danny is going to be ta- trash-talking you, and uh, God knows what he might say uh, inside the cage, especially uh, if he gets that top position. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's like it's like you mentioned about, it's like, hey, there's an unknown with Danny, but then we can turn us on you. How much, and you mentioned a little bit earlier, the unknown of what you can do on the ground. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, I mean, I just personally, it's not my, it's not my go-to, you know, um, I'm not a, I'm not a, a home base wrestler. So I'm not going to sit there and be able to just, I'm not going to hold guys down naturally and be able to do it for three, five minute, you know, five minute rounds and, and keep doing that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm talking more of the sense on my submission skills and my, my capability of submitting somebody. And yeah, I, I think I have really good wrestling though, wrestling defense, uh, submission defense. And I guess July 9th we'll find out, you know, if uh, Brandon Ball can take me down and submit me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't see it happening. I, I don't see him being able to do that. And this is a five-round fight. And, you know, I'm in really, really good shape. So I'm excited for the challenge. I'm excited for it. And uh, I think I go out there and I get him tired and I get the finish. 
Of course, we look forward to seeing this fight here on July 9th. Dustin's always, man. I appreciate time. Of course, uh, let me know that you can follow you out on social media. And, of course, the sponsors that are helping out, man. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, I the way this fight lined up and everything, we had opponents fall through and just couldn't find anyone. And it, it was, you know, I, I prayed on it a lot. And I believe uh, this was meant to be. You know, I was actually heading to the post office to mail the tickets back for the show because, you know, we didn't have it. And, uh, you know, a matchmaker called and said, hey, Brandon Ball just messaged me and asked if you'd fight on July 9th. And so it, like, was kind of like a heaven sent in my eyes. So I just want to thank God for, you know, this whole opportunity. Um, but, yeah, no, you can follow me on social media at Scrappy135MMA. And, you know, I have, I have a bunch of sponsors out there right now that have really, you know, invested a lot in me and have helped me out. And uh, I can't thank them enough. They know who they are. Uh, 40 Steps, Fidel, uh, The Blackie Time, uh, Bet99, Blue Lens, CE Customs. Uh, they're, they're, you know, they're, there's quite more P&H, Auto Body. Uh, my man Eric with his tattoos. Uh, he's, he's the man. Um, PV, all, all of them out there, 40 Steps. I'm repping right here. They've all, you know, helped uh, support me for my training camps and, you know, for me to really follow my dreams. So I can't, I can't thank them enough. And there you have my conversation with Dustin Lampros. I appreciate him coming on the podcast to talk about his matchup come up here at main event, Shamrock FC 339, as he moves up in weight to fight for the featherweight title. You hear him talk about it. It's not a permanent move. It's just uh, it was about this opportunity to, to fight here on three weeks. And, uh, you know, really interesting conversation, a lengthy conversation that we had there, uh, you know, with the Ultimate Fighter alum there. And uh, interesting to kind of see what happens with him going forward. And, you know, obviously, you know, he's got to be a guy that, you know, I mean, talked about last week on the show of, you know, we're seeing all these matchups getting announced for the contender series. And he's one of those guys that you got to think that if he gets a win there, uh, could be a guy potentially maybe we do see uh, in the contender series here at, uh, at maybe some point in this year, or maybe he gets into uh, a short notice opportunity in terms of that one. But uh, that is the three interviews. So I do appreciate Billy, uh, Jacoby, and Lampros all coming on this edition of the podcast. Of course, myself and Dale Galvan, we'll have a podcast coming up on Wednesday, which we are going to preview UFC 276. Of course, headlined by the two title matchups. Izzy defending the middleweight title in the main event against Jared Cannonier. Also, the co-main event, the trilogy matchup between Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway. And of course, uh, this fight card did lose a fight uh, as it was announced last night on the broadcast. Misha Tate versus Lauren Murphy is off the card. Uh, I know I did see a tweet from Eric Hawani saying that uh, it was on the Lauren Murphy side of the equation of why uh, that fight is not going to happen. Of course, uh, part of the, the news with UFC 276 this week uh, is the fact that the televised preliminary card will be on ABC along with ESPN and ESPN Plus. So big opportunity for uh, the eight fighters that are going to be a part of those prelims uh, right now, uh, as I record this podcast, the UFC has only announced uh, four fights that are going to be on the pay-per-view. I'm kind of thinking that they may elevate uh, either. I would say they're probably going to help. I mean, there, there's so many opportunities. I mean, you can look at Robbie Lawler and Brian Barrena, but I can see maybe they want to put that one on ESPN, but man, that would be, that'd be a killer way to kick off the pay-per-view. I mean, maybe you throw Ian Gary on there. 
maybe it's someone like a Uriah Hall and Andre Muniz. I mean, that that's a great matchup. I, I, I'm really looking forward to that Uriah Hall, Andre Muniz. But, I mean, you look at, at top to bottom, th- this entire fight card, man, it, it's a really good fight card that I have coming up on, on Saturday night. Of course, myself and Daniel, we're going to break that one down for you. I mean, like, as I think of the storylines of this fight card heading into it is, you know, with, with Volkanovski and Holloway, I mean, like, you know, obviously both of their, their two previous matchups were super close. Like, what happens if, if Max Holloway goes out there and, and he gets a win? I guess we got to go Volkanovski, Holloway, four. You know, Volk has talked about uh, wanting to go up to 55. Dana White has mentioned the fact that, uh, you know, he he's okay with Volkanovski going up to 155 pounds. Uh, you got Sean Stricker and, and Alex Bahia. That's a part of that pay-per-view. Of course, uh, Alex's manager's already come out and said they've been told the winner of this matchup is going to get the winner of the main event. Uh, and then, you look, you got to step up a competition for Sean O'Malley, taking on Pedro Munoz. It's, it's a nice step up in competition here uh, for Sean O'Malley. You know, some of the other fights, I'll tell you that I, I love the Brad Riddell, Jalen Turner fight. Man, that, that, to me, has got good one, uh, good one written all over it. Um, the Duplessis and Tavares fight is an interesting one. Looking at right now, that's that's a pick'em fight. As I'm looking over at, at the the betting odds right now, and uh, man, looking at, at maybe some of the underdogs. Uh, man, it's uh, Uriah Hall plus two ten. I mean, I, I like Andre Muniz to win that fight. I think Andre Muniz is, is a real deal, but that's kind of uh, some interesting uh, number there that you're getting on, on the plus money there. Um, other ones, you know, just okay. I mean, Max Holloway plus one sixty. I mean, I would probably, I'd almost say you might want to look at Max Holloway via decision. Uh, look at you know, you look at that prop money to go over there. But myself and Daniel Galvan, we'll we'll preview that one coming up here on this week's edition of our Wednesday's episode of the M airport podcast. So you can check that out on Wednesday. Of course, as always, if you got any questions, uh, you can hit me up on, on all types of social media. If you want to slide in my DMS, the easiest way to do that is in my Instagram DMS. Uh, my, uh, handle over on Instagram is at Jason underscore Floyd. Also I've got TikTok. that I'm throwing some videos up on TikTok over there. So be sure to check out that as well. So that's going to do it for this edition of the M airport podcast which comes out two times a week on Sunday. It's the interview edition. And on Wednesday, it's myself and Dan Gavon getting you ready for whatever MMA is coming up on that weekend. So appreciate you downloading and listening to this episode of the podcast. And I'll talk to you on Wednesday on the next edition of the MMA Report Podcast.